So from tech to CBD and even battling cancer, Michael Stavanoha has done it all. Michael is a developer and commercial and residential realtor who uses his background in analytics and technology to help him in his own decision making, but also help those around him rise up as well. Today, we're going to hear about how Michael has creatively made a path for himself in real estate that is quite unique. Hello, Michael. Hey, how are you today? Thanks for having me. Good, good. Thanks for being on the show. Did you want to let the listeners know kind of from the beginning how you got into real estate? Yeah, absolutely. And first off, you said my name right, which is awesome. Because it's like 10% of the time that happens. And, uh, it, you know, it can fluctuate. And I know you've had Dan King on. And Dan loves to throw a V in the end of my name when he introduces me. So you said it right. Great start. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was hoping I would get it right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it can be a tricky one sometimes. Um, but yeah, so real estate. Real estate was an interesting kind of spinoff for me. I wasn't intending on getting into it, but I was involved in uh, import-export with a partner from abroad in China. And we were bringing in materials to wholesale here in the States and sell directly to, um, I guess, the shops and stuff you see, ABC, you know, flooring and all those guys. So that was kind of where um, it kicked off was when I was exiting that company. And I built such strong relationships abroad that you know, we built um, a trust with one another and that played a role with them wanting to invest here with me. So I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. So I knocked out all my classes, jumped into real estate and um, that was all she wrote. And it's been awesome so far. That's amazing. How long ago was that when you first decided to jump in? It's been about three and a half years now. I've been, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty busy with real estate for three and a half years. And, and, you know, really a lot of people make the common, you know, mistake of thinking that real estate's easy and they watch the TV show and it's like deal and you hang up the phone and all of a sudden a number pops up like that just went to their bank account. But the reality is, is there's a lot of work that goes into it, uh, both from the paperwork standpoint and from the just busy person aspect from setting up showings. Uh, setting up lock boxes, signs, cleaning, getting things done and detailed in the house, keeping track of who's there, following up with people who have viewed the home or checked the home on your uh, website, making sure that you're touching everybody you can to try and get your home sold. And that's from the selling side. That's actually the least busy side. When you have the buyer side, you have people who are like, hey, I saw these 30 homes can we go look at them? And it's impossible to see 30 homes. And I mean, you need days, many days to do that. And, and, and you know, people do want to see a lot. But I, you know, what, what our job is, is to kind of reel them in and really sit down with them. And let's, let's really strategize on what is the best things. Let's start at the top and, and figure out what is the best scenario for you so that we can make a quick decision. Wow. Yeah. It sounds definitely like a lot. You have to handle the sales side and the buy side. I'm sure you, no wonder you've been busy in real estate because on top of that, you're also involved in so many real estate organizations, right? You have like Aria, you're on the HAR, the board, Keller Williams. Uh, Greater Houston Business Association. So yeah, we stay, uh, we stay super busy, <laughs> um, but I love it. And particularly Aria, it, you know, I don't know why, but I, I really enjoy their events, the people, uh, the culture, I think super beautiful. And I have a lot of respect for the people who made sacrifices to come here to the States to provide a better life for their family. Um, and, you know, those stories aren't shared as much as I feel that they should be and looked upon for inspiration by people who were born here and given the opportunity by birth. You know, there's so many people who have come here and sacrificed everything to provide a better life. And not only are they accomplishing that, but a lot of the people who have transitioned into these medical fields, engineers, doctors, lawyers, all these amazing professions who came from very humble beginnings maybe didn't even speak English here, are now top professionals. Not only are they being successful here in America, but they're taking this transitional wealth and they're putting it back in some of their home countries. So like Vietnam, for instance, is in a huge upswing. 
And I think it has a lot to do with those types of situations and, and the ability to have education. It's yeah, special. I mean, so special. And I can totally relate, you know, my parents immigrated here. It's that immigrant story, right? Like tough it out and now look at where they've come to and look at where their next generation is. It's pretty amazing. And for those people who aren't familiar with ARIA, it's the Asian Real Estate Association of America, right? Correct. Correct. And we have an amazing Houston chapter. Uh, we have a great team and, you know, I'm really close with Dan King and uh, Dan's next year's president. So, you know, I'm, I'm like his backup. I'll, anything he needs from me, I'll work with him on. Uh, but Dan and I are both uh, working with Ari on a national level as well. Um, so this year I'm on the national board for luxury real estate for Aria with Liza Fong in San Fran. So shout out to Liza. She's San Fran's future president um, for Aria, which is awesome. Um, so we work really close together and we built some awesome relationships, had great conversations. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great organization. And the beauty of it is, even though it's Asian Real Estate Association of America, it's open to everybody. And the beautiful thing is that people from all over the world want to do business with all, over, all types of people. So you might have an agent, if you're a Spanish-speaking agent here in Houston, you might meet an agent in New York who has a Spanish-speaking client. So just because you, it says Asian doesn't mean it's pigeonholed into just one type of real estate um, you know, demographic. It's so broad and it's really, really cool. Yeah, that is so awesome. And I love that you guys have a uh, love for the Bay because <laughs> I'm based yeah, out yeah, here. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Bay Area is beautiful. I, I, like I, I'm out there and in Palo Alto quite often. And uh, I have to say, it's, it's just the weather's always nice. Um, well, there's one side of the Golden Gate Bridge. So I do the touristy stuff sometimes when I'm there still. Um, I believe if you're, if you're in San Fran looking at the bridge at the left side, it can get really, really cold. Like the wind hits you and then the other side's pretty nice. I just remember, I don't know. That's random, but <laughs> yeah, it can be like that sometimes out here. <laughs> the weather is, uh, you have to bring a jacket for sure. <laughs> um, it sounds like you do a lot of traveling, you know, not just you're not just based in Houston, you come out to California and you even talk about uh, how Vietnam is coming up, right? Do you do any investing or um, internationally or work with clients out there? A lot. Uh, I have some awesome clients who are doing exactly that, what we're talking about, which is expanding their um, wealth everywhere. So it's not just centralized into their local community or the microeconomy that they're in, but they're investing all over the U.S. They're investing in other countries. And the, a lot of the people I work with are from abroad. Um, and I think that with technology and the access to information and the reach that we have with technology, just like, just like this right now, we're on a, a Zoom call so we can see each other. It's almost like meeting in person. And I think because the world has shrunk so much, your buyers can come from anywhere. So you have to reach out, you have to stay engaged, and you have to make sure that you're expressing to them what's happening here. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a really cool thing to have clients from all over the world because their mentality and things they look for are a little bit different. So it keeps you on your toes. But the buying power abroad is incredible. It's, so I grew up in a very small town called El Campo. And growing up in that little bitty town, to me, like wealth was a brick house that had three bedrooms and a newer Chevy truck. I always thought, wow, I can't wait one day to be there. So as I grew and kind of, you know, got to know the world, it's incredible the amount of wealth and education and just people that are out there. So, you know, you can't limit yourself anymore to working with one specific niche. You have to be able and willing to work with everyone. Especially with how technology has progressed. We are really a global marketplace, right? So don't limit yourself at all. It's a hundred percent, 100% true. Do you think your background in technology helped you have this type of uh, vision and mindset? I think it did help, but I think my background in economics helped the most um, because it made me very numbers focused. So I'm, you know, I'm really, really big in numbers. And even if you can't speak the same language, there are things that you do understand. And it's, you know, profits and losses. Um, Good risk and bad risk. Everybody understands that. And then, of course, food. So 
we can, you know, those things wrapped around together, they, they help quite a bit, but uh, understanding um, things from an economic standpoint and really not making rash decisions or emotional based decisions have helped me. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause no matter what language you speak, we can all speak food, right? Correct. Yes. That's some of my favorite food, Vietnamese and uh, Chinese. Uh, and that's another beautiful thing about the culture. It's so deep when it comes to the types of food and ingredients and, and I, we could do a whole podcast on food. I think. I know we better stop because I'm getting hungry now, <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like your life is so full and it's so, it could be busy, right? But how do you keep track of everything? Like I'm sure you have so much going on. Are there any tips or tricks for people who um, want to get into real estate or want to be involved, but are feeling overwhelmed? Yeah, real estate, really, if you're getting into it as a new agent, I would recommend that you join a team or start small with your inner sphere because a lot of times your inner sphere will allow you to make mistakes and they're very forgiving. And you can learn from that and you can continue to grow and kind of build yourself up. As you start perfecting small parts within that sphere, you just expand and expand and expand. Um, I think as a new agent, that's definitely the way to go. Find a good inexpensive CRM to, you know, put your contacts in. A lot of new agents are, they're hyper motivated. They're so ready. You know, they want to get out there. They want to prove themselves. And then once you're in, it's trying to perfect everything, how to manage um, transactions, how to manage new clients, existing clients. It can, it, it, it can be incredibly overwhelming. And to be honest with you, I haven't found a perfect system yet to help me manage what I have. Um, but what I do try to do is um, every day I set goals and I have primary goals. These have to get done today, secondary goals. And every once in a while, you'll get a phone call where maybe a goal you would try to achieve two or three days in the future you have to do now. And it kind of throws off your, your, your goal setting, but it's things that have to be done. Um, so from the organizational standpoint, I work a little differently because I work well with a little bit of chaos. Like I'm the guy who would do homework with the TV on or, you know, that makes sense in my head. Um, so a little bit of chaos for me works. Um, but there are times where I'm filtering through my emails or text messages and I'll see something I've missed and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I forgot to call this person back or I forgot to send over this information. And um, I just haven't found the perfect way to make sure I catch everything because it's just me. Um, you know, and doing real estate is like I was saying earlier, it's incredibly time consuming. It can be very difficult, uh, particularly drug juggling residential and commercial. Um, but then also working in technology, working with uh, CBD and um, hemp. Uh, it, it, there's just a lot that piles up. So, you know, I do work late. I work late nights, um, try to spend time with the family. I have a, I have an eight month old little baby and, uh, he actually is about to be nine months, but he's awesome. And, um, you know, I do a lot of it for him because I want to make sure that he has every opportunity in the future as well. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like you have a lot on your plate, but at least goal setting is something that you've implemented and it seems to help with some of the chaos. Um, yes. Although you do enjoy chaos. So <laughs> <laughs> what are some of your goals? If you don't mind sharing with the listeners, whether it's so, like for 2020 or. Well, uh, you know, from a residential or from a real estate goal setting perspective, <clears throat> every year we have numbers we want to hit. Um, what I'm realizing from the commercial side is that a commercial deal could take six to eight months to close. So even though you get it under contract this year, it might not close until next year. So I do put yearly goals in place because I do want to achieve those and hit numbers and have something to reach for. But um, transaction volume and uh, numbers of transaction is something that I'm trying to have almost a rolling goal. So I don't keep it into, you know, January to December, but you know, as it comes to February until next February, I try to keep track of what I'm putting out there, what's coming in, how to leverage it, make sure I'm pricing things right. Uh, but, you know, from the real estate perspective, I would love to establish myself enough where I can leverage myself 
100% full-time into development because I really love the development uh, cycle process. And uh, I do a lot of the development underwriting for projects and multifamily strip centers, um, you know, high rises. Those are really interesting, very fun. And they work from a number of different angles from the development. You work as a developer and then from the real estate side, you get to sell it. So you're part of the marketing campaign and plan for that. And, um, you know, that's my goal with, with real estate is, you know, produce as much as I can and leverage myself and learn so I can be a good developer in the future. Um, from the technology standpoint, we just want to keep growing and putting out great product. Uh, we're actually converting a real estate tool right now from a agent only tool to a consumer facing tool. Um, this tool, it's called Realterra. And basically it was an analytical tool where you could just plug in an address. It would import all of the data from anywhere in the country and you could analyze it as an investment, whether you wanted to buy and flip, buy and hold, uh, ground up new construction build or do a custom analysis. And it takes, you know, a couple of minutes. We, we built the, um, the workflow around uh, TurboTax. So it's very easy and kind of self-guided. And we did that because there's a very big skew of, uh, users in real estate you have tech savvy and you have you know non-tech savvy um so we built it to simplify it we beta tested it it worked well but what we're seeing now is that a lot of agents prefer to have solutions given to them rather than working for it so who better to give you the solution than the actual investor because they're incredibly proactive so we're making a consumer facing side where the agent can plug it into their website, social media posts. The consumers can play with it to analyze different properties to get the report they have to put in their contact info. So every report that's put in, the contact info is emailed to the agent, given an alert of the property that they're looking at. So the agent can follow up with them and create a relationship. And, you know, from a buy and flip perspective, you'll get two deals. Uh, people who are doing long-term rentals, you know, a lot of times they'll buy a property and they want to rent it. And they'll try to leverage that property. So we have all of those tools built into this software for them. So it makes it real easy, but sounds definitely like want to grow very, that. Yeah. Sounds like a very, very hefty and useful tool. That's it's been pretty that's good. Pretty amazing that you're putting that together and now going to make it available to the end user, right? Yep. So we'll make it more of a Legion software, but you won't have to pay for a CRM. We'll collect the data and we'll plug it into your CRM for you that you're using. So, you know, a lot of times there's uh, like, I'll say brevity, for instance, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people in real estate use that. It's pretty expensive, but it's because you're not only paying for the lead gen, you're paying for the CRM, you're paying for the websites, you're paying for all of this stuff. Ours, where you're not paying for a website, you're not paying for a CRM, you're literally paying for a plugin that takes client data and puts it in your CRM for you. So it's going to be really inexpensive for a lead gen tool. Nice. Do you have an ETA when people can expect this? Uh, well, with everything happening with COVID, it's definitely slowed things down and we've put some holds on um, the number of people we have working on things. So I'm hoping by the end of the year, we'll have a, a solid beta that we can start working on. Awesome. So be on the lookout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned COVID and, you know, a lot of people are weary. They might be a little bit worried too about the whole real estate market, but it seems like you're really bullish even on development deals too. It's so busy right now. It's crazy. Like I, I was expecting this big drop off and this overwhelming amount of foreclosures and chaos. And it's been the opposite. And it's been a lot of really good buyers, a lot of deals coming in and closing appraisals are hitting their numbers. Um, the market's moving quite a bit. The place we've seen the biggest impact has been from the retail side, strip centers and office buildings, but it's presenting an, an opportunity for people who want to invest in those. So now it's a great time to acquire because specific types of offers will um, make more sense from the seller's perspective, especially cash offers because there's no contingency. Um, so you can get a really, really good deal. And a lot of times with cash, you're going to be able to have a significant discount. Um, so what we do is we look for retail centers that are 50% vacant, 30 or 70% vacant. And the people buying them have businesses that they want to put somewhere anyways, or are already leasing in another building with the lease coming to an end. So the acquisition of their own building 
they are going to rent it to themselves. So by filling up that space, they're creating a value add in their own building by solving a problem that they're already paying for. They're just paying themselves. So taking up that space, they're creating a much more valuable asset because the net operating income has jumped up substantially. So we look for that. And then uh, office buildings, um, you can buy some that are vacant right now. And there's a, there's a number of strategies with office buildings. Uh, I've seen people buying multiple story office buildings and converting them into storage units, which is really interesting. Um, and then I've seen uh, people just leasing them at a more discounted rate because they're able to acquire them at such a low price. So you could rent an office building for 70 cents a square foot, which is less expensive than a warehouse, which is really crazy if you think about That's it. That's crazy. So, yeah, but those are the main areas we felt the impact. Uh, the residential side's incredible. Lots of showings, lots of, lots of people going to homes, open houses um, safely. Um, the biggest change has been the 3D showings, keeping things uh, safe. So at every house, we put, you know, foot covers, hand sanitizer, extra masks, all of that good stuff. And I try to leave lights on everywhere. And I know that it kind of sucks because it's a little more expensive, but you're preventing people from touching lights and door handles all the time. So we try to be as careful as possible. Right, right. Yeah. Got to stay safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. What you mentioned about like, if you're a business owner right now and your like lease is coming up soon, I think looking for a property to put yourself in to rent from yourself is a great strategy. So definitely be on the lookout for that because I think more and more deals, like you said, will probably be coming online. And if you are paying cash, you'll be able to get a good discount. Yeah. And with the, um, I guess the money people are getting from PPP and some other places. Uh, what I've seen is a lot of people are taking that money and using it to acquire commercial assets for their businesses. I have multiple people who are doing that right now. And it's, it's a really smart strategy because it's going to, I mean, literally, if, if you buy a place and you're staying in it and you decide you don't want to pay, you don't pay. You're not going to kick yourself out. You know, so, I mean, it gives you the ultimate control. But right. you want to make sure that, you know, it's, it fits your needs. You're not... Um, overextending mm -hmm, for sure yeah it's important not to especially in these times yeah pretty wild it's, i uh, want to touch upon yeah I'm so sorry. crazy right no 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 go ahead i was just saying yeah it's just it's 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 hard to think how much everything has changed in such a short period of time um that was all i was gonna say <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah and you're in texas which has opened up a lot more i think than like where i am in california so but now we're shutting back down and they're like, whoa, now it's, but and they're testing so much more now. Like every CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, uh, HEB, they all have testing centers open. So wow. I, we have to be testing like a hundred times more than we were. Wow. It's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Stay I don't safe, want it. Wear your mask. I know. I don't want it to be, but I think this might be the new normal for, for a while. I agree. They said a couple of years even. Um, but you know, it's, it's actually opened up some avenues for us, uh, like from the hemp side with CBD production. Now we're, we switched and we started producing hand sanitizer with CBD and we're starting to produce things like that, that are still affordable, but they, they fit the niche of the situation. So it's, oh, it's, it's that's opened innovative. Up some, yeah, it, we have some really cool things happening, uh, from the hemp side, uh, I'll share one of them with you afterwards because it's a, it's a secret, but it's very cool. Yeah, I'm excited. So for those of you listening who aren't aware, Michael also owns a CBD company, NVUS Labs, right? And I think part of it is like you 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 were diagnosed with cancer and you found that the CBD helped you yourself. So you wanted to share that with other people too, right? Yeah. And with, so with uh, NVS, I'm uh, the CTO for them. And we have a bunch of, we have a group of partners and the, the guys that I work with, they've, they live and breathe hemp and CBD. They've been doing it since the early 2000s. So they know it inside and out. They run all the machinery. They do all the extraction and flavoring and all of the cool stuff. Uh, I'm kind of there to run the tech side and uh, do some of the marketing and you know, some of the fun stuff like that. So it's been uh, awesome. But 
you know, I started using it when I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And the reason I used it is it had components that helped with inflammation and uh, more importantly, components that helped with uh, being able to sleep well, because a lot of times it was hard to, to rest, you know. So yeah, I've always used it. I've been using it for a very long time and, you know, I have nothing but positive things to say. I've never had a negative experience with it. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's definitely new and it's, the stigma on around hemp and marijuana is definitely fading away. And the more that it's opened up here in Texas in particular, the more people that I wouldn't expect to be using it are coming out saying, Hey, I'm using it. You know, where can I get it? So it's really, really cool. Really interesting. And, um, I think it's a great time to get in sort of ground level in Texas. And I think this infrastructure from the hemp and CBD perspective will allow us to pivot into medical marijuana once that does come to fruition here, which it's going to eventually happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting because like, you know, we're in California, so it's been legal for a while longer than, you know, things in Texas, but it sounds like even there, the adoption rate is growing. So Mm -hmm. it looks like there's a lot of potential in that market. Um, And, you know, did you want to talk about, because you were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer before you got into real estate, right? Yes. Yep. Just a little while before. Did that kind of change your decision making or your thinking process or anything like that? In a way it does because my, my situation was very interesting out of nowhere. Like I was at my peak, what, what I felt like was my peak. I was kickboxing every day. I was running five miles every day, enjoying life. And out of nowhere, I remember, I remember exactly the day my sister just graduated from law school and they have a ceremony here in downtown where they ring this bell. And I got dressed up to go to that and I felt like I had the flu and I was like, what the heck? I was like, I feel terrible. So I went to that thing and I was like, I just got to go home. So I went home and little did I know that was the starting point. That was the day and the, the moment where it all just went off the rails. So from there, I became really jaundiced. My skin started yellowing. It became very itchy and irritated. Um, and I didn't know what to do. So I went to my doctor and then that doctor sent me to a doctor and then to another doctor. And I should have just gone to the emergency room, but in my head that, you know, mentally I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to go to the emergency room. I just want to get this fixed. Well, the jaundice became so bad that water, like anything hurt my skin. So I like even taking a shower was painful and it was because the tumor blocked my bile duct is what we ended up finding out. So I went in for what's called an ERCP, which is a scope where they go and they biopsy what's down there. And they were going to insert a stent to open up the valve that was being blocked so my uh, bile could flow through it. And it would lower my bilirubin levels. So your, your bilirubin, <clears throat> normally you're at like a one. Mine was at a 42, I think. So it was like my eyes were highlighter yellow. My finger, it was crazy. It was just the craziest thing. So I had this, the stent put in and that particular procedure, there's a 1% chance that you will get pancreatitis from it. And I got pancreatitis from it. And it was a super severe type of pancreatitis where uh, the only time I've ever been suicidal was then because nothing helped. Um, it was just like you're on fire. And um it just took forever. I remember it was a week. I was just hanging on. And finally, they gave me a dose of um, pain, this pain med called Dilaudid, which is like really crazy. And uh, that yeah, put me on Mars. So basically, I felt fine after that. And then it started slowly coming down. But I was in there for like 33 days uh, in the hospital. I got out and had a JP drain from my gallbladder to the outside of my body to drain, which was really weird. So that was in for a year. And then I had a couple of pancreatitic relapses where I'd have like a minor case of pancreatitis. I'd have to go back in for 10 to 15 days. And what would happen is um, my pancreas would inflame and it would pinch off my duodenum, which is like the tube leading to your stomach. So I couldn't digest food. And it it was really bad. I don't want to get into too many details, but... It was bad. Yeah, it um, sounds like you went through a lot there. It was crazy. 
Then I had uh, two, two operate. I'm sorry. No, was, go ahead. I was oh, just going to say, are you all healed now? Well, no, unfortunately I've had two surgeries that were supposed to correct it called a Whipple surgery. And the Whipple is a, it's really evasive. So the goal with the Whipple is to remove the head of your pancreas, your gallbladder, part of your bile duct, part of your intestines, and part of your stomach, and then they put it back together. Um, so the first time they went in, my pancreas was too inflamed still to work on. So they sewed me back up. And the next time they went in, they said it was still inflamed, but it had hardened. So my pancreas, your pancreas is like a sponge normally. They said mine's like a rock. Like it necrotized, I guess, from the severity of pancreatitis that I had. So it's not operable. And uh, I've had this particular operation twice. And I don't think I can do it again because it's so evasive. Like I have like huge scars on my abdomen. And um, so now it's just like we're waiting to figure out what's next. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, dang. Stay healthy. Yep. Stay safe. I'm trying to. I got my little masks. waiting <laughs> everywhere. But, um, you know, I try to stay positive. I stay very busy. And uh, I always keep my mind forward facing and on the future rather than worrying about, you know, the past or trying to get too down. I just try to stay positive and happy. I know you went through a lot. I can imagine some people, you know, that might get them down. You know what? They might think like, oh no, this is the end. And you even mentioned like during times of your journey, you felt suicidal, but you've gotten past that. Right. And I can feel, you know, the positivity and the radiance in your voice. So there, what is that driver for you to keep looking forward, even though like there are parts of your journey that are unknown? Well, you're, you're hundred percent right. At the beginning, it was weird. And I remember a moment that stands out to me and it's driving down the freeway. And you know how they have the billboards? It's like mega million, 500 million. And I remember a long time ago, I'd be like, oh, if I hit that, I would do all these amazing things. Life would be so good. But after I was diagnosed, I remember driving by that billboard and thinking, oh, it doesn't matter if I win. You know, I'm probably going to die before I can spend it anyways. I had that mentality. And slowly it started going away and I started convincing myself, you can't think that way, you know? So it took me, it took me a switch and I want to say it happened just out of nowhere one day. It just went click. It, it, when it went click to the point where my, even my doctors are like, what is no, most people are freaking out, but you're like always in such a good mood and you're, you know, my doctor was like, I'm concerned about you because you're not concerned. But it, you know, I, I just wasn't, I was, I was pretty happy. I was, I was surrounded by really good people. I was surrounded by a lot of love and prayers and support. Um, I had a lot of awesome stuff happening in my life. I had a lot of things to look forward to. And I think that was the biggest uh, kind of catalyst. But now I have my son and I want to be a good example for him, you know, in case something does happen with me. I do. I want him to be able to look back at maybe things I've accomplished or buildings I've worked on. And even if I'm not around, he can be like, oh, my dad worked on that, you know? So there's always something around for me to, for him to kind of see who I was or what I've done. So, you know, it's a little bit, it, it's, I feel selfish in a way because I want to do so much, but at the same time, I want to do it because, you know, I want him to be proud of me, I guess, you know? I have one of his little pictures right here. Oh, so cute. I got to put that in the show notes too. Just send me that picture. I'll use that for your promo. Okay. I'll, <laughs> s I'll send it to you. But uh, yeah, his, his name's Enzo. He's my little, my little guy. So um, the best reason in the world to, to be the best person you can, you know. So that's yeah, my driving yeah. force. A lot of people mention that their why is their, their kids, right? They do it for their kids. And I'm, it sounds like for you too, your almost nine-month-old Enzo is <laughs> the why behind a lot of the reasons why you're doing what you're doing and how yeah. you continue to do so much. Yeah, he's definitely a big, big reason. And it's so, it's so funny because <clears throat> like having a little kid, like having him depend on you just – I, like he'll look at me sometimes and just put his little hands up and I just, he, you know, he just has a desire to love you. Like 
it's so different. And people always say that, oh, it's a different type of love. It's a different type of love. It's crazy. Um, it's so beautiful and it, it's, it makes me so happy. And you, you do sacrifice sleep and all of these other things, but you wake up in the middle of the night because, you know, your baby's crying. And I'm sacrificing a little bit of sleep to take care of him, to make sure he feels good. He's happy. He's in a good place. So to me, it's not a very, um, to me, it's not a sacrifice anymore, but it's, you know, it's just something I'm happy to do when he needs it. Because I, because as soon as you're done changing him and he's, the tears have stopped and he's back to normal, you know, you've helped him be in a better place. And I, I don't know. I like that. Yeah. It sounds like you, that's what dads do, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so cool. But well, you do so much, which I'm always like constantly impressed about because on top of the CBD and on top of the um, real estate that you're doing, you also have your technology company. You do like UX and UI design, beta testing too, right? Yeah, we do quite a bit. So we do soft, we can do turnkey software, which is a lot of times what we do. So what we do is we'll start off with the workflow and we'll go workflow into wireframing. So you can see the wireframe of the site and we'll transition that into mock-ups. And once we have the mock-ups uh, looking and feeling good, we start constructing the back-end software and then we'll link it all together. And then you have this working piece of software and, you know, a lot of stuff that we do is web-based. So it's like a web application. Um, but we have, we have a lot of cool stuff coming out and it, it's, it's exciting to work on. And you have to stay on the cutting edge. You definitely do, especially with how the world is nowadays. It's very fast-paced. Yes, and there's some giants out there like Amazon who can put together anything quickly because of their resources. So, And what's scary about Amazon is a lot of the stuff that they build, they make open source. So anybody can grab it and use it. And it's like they're so big that they don't worry about competition. It's, it's pretty, pretty in intense. No, they don't worry. But also, that's, I feel like that's kind of the mentality that you take on too, right? With wanting to like help the people around you and not just yourself. Yeah, I, I like when people are successful. I think it's, it's super important to help others. Um, even if it's from helping somebody in real estate to doing something that's positive for charities or kids. You know, I have a soft spot for kids now. And um, it, it just breaks my heart to know that there are kids out there that, that are in bad situations or are hungry or crying and there's nobody to care for them. So, you know, that stuff like, like that, that's the type of thing that I'll get my eyes will water and sleep. Like, oh, be strong. But it's like, how do I help them? Like, what, what could I do to help the most amount of people? You know, what, what, what can be done? Like, is it a ton of money? Is it a ton of um, clout? Is it a ton of, what is it? What, what can I do? that will affect the greatest audience in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm still finding that out. I'm still trying to figure it out. And I've done a lot, I've done little things, but nothing on the scale of what would make me feel like I've accomplished that goal. Um, but I do think that there's a lot out there and, and um, not just in the U S but all over the world. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of near and dear, but there's a couple of charities I've worked with and, one last year that I, you know, that we did some contributions to and went to their gala was Operation Smile. And uh, that's with the kids who have the cleft palates. And man, uh, I was crying so much during their little video and seeing those little kids and hearing the stories about how they're treated and stuff. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking, but it's so cool to be able to see the result and see, I mean, literally their smiles change. It's so beautiful. So you know, there's a lot of kids here in the hospital. There's a lot of kids who need food and need guidance. So, you know, no matter who they are, where they're from, what they look like, I feel that all of them should deserve the opportunity to wake up, wake up full, and wake up with an option to go about the path in life they want to choose. And, you know, whether they choose good or bad, it, that's, it, that's not up to us. But making sure they have the proper path and the proper options to make the choices. I think they, I think everybody deserves that. Mm -hmm, for so. sure. 
Yeah, sounds like you have a soft spot in your heart for maybe some nonprofit work. It'd be cool. I would definitely like to put myself in a place where I could be of more assistance than just cutting a check, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've thought about this. I've really, really thought about it, um, how, how I could do it. And uh, there's definitely some things I want to put in place, um, both domestic and internationally, um, that I think could reap benefits for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about these initiatives once you have them more fleshed out. Yeah, it'll be exciting. But it's just, you know, with everything happening right now, it made me kind of look at my little boy and think how how sad I would be if I woke up thinking he was at a disadvantage to everyone else, you know, as a parent. Um, So I don't think that any parent, regardless of who or what or anything, should ever have to wake up and fear that their kid won't have an opportunity to have a better life because that's everybody's dream is you want your kids to be better. You want them to have more opportunity. You want them to have this and that. But, um, you know, I think that there are some situations where that isn't the case. So we need to make that the case Mm -hmm. because we can't be selfish about we're doing this now because we want to make a change. The, The mentality should, we're doing this now so that the future generations can have change. That's, I think, the, the mentality we should have. It can't be about us right now. We're the people doing the, we're, we're doing the hard work for them so that they can have the benefit in the future. So it's about them. It's really not about us. For sure. Yeah. I mean, this kind of brings it back to how we started the conversation about like immigrants, right? They, they did, they suffered a lot probably and came over to America for a better future for their kids, right? For the next generation. And now it's like, how do we ensure that type of mentality is continuing to be passed down and they do have those better opportunities out there? That's 100% right. But I, I love those stories. It's so, like, it's just so cool. So cool. Hey, Michael, having, like, gone through, you know, right now we're in the middle of COVID and you've gone through your cancer journey, like, is there anything you would have done differently if you were going to begin your real estate journey all over again? Ooh, that's a good question. If I could change anything, I would have adopted a CRM sooner from the very beginning. I think that's probably the biggest thing that I skipped on was like using Excel. Like I was like, I'll do my own. Uh, I should have just broken down, used a different CRM and started it and just done that because yeah, that's it. The, the rest of it, I love my journey. All the ups, the downs, I've, I've loved it. I've loved meeting all the people. Um, I loved the trips I've done, the houses I've got to see, the people I've helped buy, even the people that we didn't, weren't able to do a deal or it didn't work out. I still loved being able to experience something with them. Um, and that I've made, like, I don't, I feel like I don't have clients. I feel like I have friends. So I I have made so many good friendships, uh, through real estate, uh, both as clients and agents and lenders and title companies. And it's just so awesome to, to be around so many great people, uh, that I wouldn't change too much other than the CRM. You know, it's, it's, I'm pretty happy, um, with how everything's gone. Yeah, sounds like you've had a great journey so far. And I wonder if maybe sometimes we are, we get in our own ways, right? Because I know you have a background and you're very technically savvy. So maybe you were like, I can do this on my own with Excel. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I first started, I was like, oh, I could, I I was like, there's a way technology could replace a realtor. That's how I started. But the more I started doing real estate, the more I realized that it's not possible. Um, and that goes back to the amount of work and the things that realtors do uh, for clients. And, and so many people have the misconception that, oh, well, you can vacation whenever you want. You have all this free time. What people who are not realtors have to understand is we create that free time to accommodate your time. So you as a client, we keep time available so that we can be flexible for you, not for us. And uh, I think people think that it's the other way around, but interesting. 
Yeah, so true. I know earlier you mentioned like you would recommend people get even just a cheaper CRM software. Are there certain softwares that you would list off as something that you recommend? Oof. The 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 ones that I've used um oops, sorry. The ones that I've used I haven't used any of the free ones. Uh the ones that I've used were like with Brevity and some of the other ones. Uh, but there's quite a few. I think Referral Maker was one that a lot of people use, and it's pretty easy to get. So I think that that's a pretty good one. I know of a lot of people using it. So just keep your database in order. Yeah, um, you want to start in the beginning when it's still small, right? <laughs> Not when yeah. it's later on. E- easy to manage. Yeah, you don't want to be looking at 5,000 business cards to try and input them and you know, create a tab for title, inspector, and this and that. Oh, that's another thing. Make a vendor's list. Vendor's list is very important because as you start doing more and more deals, people are like, hey, do you have this? Do you have that? If you can give them answers and get referrals right away, they're going to want to keep working with you. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other books or podcasts, other medium that you draw inspiration from? You know, a lot of times I listen to podcasts. I listen to like kind of crazy stuff as a outlet. It's like my break time, my mental break. Uh, so the, the I mean, I'm sure a lot of people say the same ones. I listen to Joe Rogan quite a bit. Um, he's super entertaining. Um, but what else do I do? Okay. Okay. So I'm on something really funny right now. I, I went down this K pop path the other day and I started watching Blackpink twice in their videos and they were awesome. But then I came across this show and it's called, it's called Knowing Bros and it's a Korean television show that has on all the K-pop singers like BTS. Um, it's, it's, I'm addicted to it right now. It is so funny, these guys. Um, it's, you know, it's, they're, they're out of Korea. They have these people on and it's like a classroom setting and it's like these people are coming from a different school to apply at their school and they just, it's like an interview but it's a really fun spin on it. And they have like 250 episodes. So I'm super addicted to that right now. And um, once again, it's like a mental break. Um, So I love that. And I I like watching when I'm not actually working. I like to watch stuff that's kind of stupid. Yeah, I I know that sounds weird. But like Rick and Morty, uh, Workaholics, if you've ever seen that. Um, Yeah. Awesome. So if you're looking for a release or a break after work, be sure to check out this Korean reality show. It sounds interesting. I'm going to have to check it out afterwards. I'll I'll send you a link to it, but there's, I, I lapsed so hard and my wife's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm just sitting there dying because to me it's hilarious. And, And I need that sometimes. Sometimes you're so overwhelmed with work, like in the last few days, I've been overwhelmed because I have new listings. I have existing listings that we're working on, things under contract, getting things, processes done and organizing closings. And it's, it's insane. So sometimes it's nice just to put it all aside and just look at somebody to do something crazy. That's not you. So. For sure. Yeah. It's important to like decompress and take care of yourself so that you can be better and be mm-hmm. on top of it for your clients. Right. And I do, do, I do have a fun YouTube channel uh, where I open mystery boxes. Mm. I know it sounds so random, but there's this, there are these things called Funko Pops. And I do, they have these mystery boxes that are like $60 to $1,000. And you can pull like really expensive Funko Pops out of it, or you can not. So I open those on YouTube and yeah. Wow, I did not know you had an unboxing channel. That's really I'll, funny. I'll send you the link. It's a little embarrassing, yeah. but you know, I've I'm familiar because um, I used to work at Mattel, so <laughs> okay, toys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big nerd, but it's so fun. I can't help it. <laughs> Is there anything we didn't talk about yet today, Michael, that you want to touch upon? No, I think that this was really cool. It was a lot of fun. I mean. Um, yeah, I hope it wasn't too boring. You know, it's a lot to, to, to talk about. But I have a question for you. <clears throat> so do you believe in ghosts? That's an interesting question. Um, I think they probably exist. Mm. Have you ever seen one? No, are you going to show me one right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Please, no. no I, so 
I'm when we had a podcast, that was the questions I loved asking was if people believed in ghosts or aliens. Mm. I was just curious because sometimes people would, we'd bring it up and they'd be like, well, let me tell you what happened. Mm. And I was always like, oh, please. So I'm yeah, I, I draw from people who have told me about their mm. own experiences. So that's why I'm like, oh, it probably exists because I've heard some stories. <laughs> <laughs> we did a lock in on uh, for a Halloween special for our podcast many years ago. We did a 24 hour lock in in a haunted prison here in Texas. Wow. And we live streamed it and we did a live podcast from it. And there was real stuff happening. It was terrifying. That's crazy. So maybe we can vote you if the listeners want to. We can vote a place for her to go to do a 24 hour Halloween special in a haunted house. Everybody yeah. listening, make sure to comment where y'all'd like her to go. Let's see if we can get her to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what the comments say. <laughs> That'd be but, uh, fun though. I'm down. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, it's it's so it, 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 it's interesting stuff. Um I'm all, I'm I like like the ghost stuff sometimes, so just curious. You have but lots other of that, interests. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm weird. I'm a really weird guy. And you know what's funny is I don't drink alcohol, I don't go out or anything like my Friday nights, like working, building software and templates, and uh, that's what I like to do for fun. So, wow, I'm surprised <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> yeah, just I did because you're friends with um, you're friends with um, with you know, Dan. the networking king, and I just feel like he's always <laughs> out there. <laughs> oh yeah, so we we do go out, but um, you know, I don't know. It's been maybe six years, seven years since I've had a drink. Wow. Okay. Pretty good about it. Nice. Pretty good about yeah, it. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So I, I just get contact high. So when everybody else is drunk, I just feel drunk. I drank in O'Doul's one time, and it made me feel like I was drunk. I think. It's a so. placebo effect. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> oh well, so. if listeners want to find you, where can they contact you? So uh, my Instagram is at stabby thirty four s t a v i thirty four, and I just post a lot of real estate stuff food, shopping, cars, random things like that. <clears throat> then uh, on Facebook, um, I have uh, Keller Williams Houston Realtors is my page. Uh, my email is uh, mstavi at kw.com if you need to email me anything. Feel free to reach out to me on those uh, places. And of course, LinkedIn, um, Stabby34 uh, is my LinkedIn. So those are the best those places. And all of those will be linked in the show notes too. So you can check it out there. Perfect. I appreciate well, thank you it. so much for being on the show. Yeah. Uh, you're so awesome. I, I really appreciate it. I hope I didn't talk too much, uh, but uh, you're such a good host and uh, I really do appreciate it. No, it was so fun. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks. Yeah. Anytime, anytime.